This is the sixth and final week of our series called Seriously God. And over the last several weeks, we've looked at when God says no, when God seems to be in our way, when God allows the wrong people to be in charge and to rule, and when God seems uncooperative. We've covered many topics over the last few weeks, and if you've missed any of those messages, you can find them on our website at stmary.life and catch up. But today we look at the problem of pain and suffering. Pain really does present a problem for Christians. There's no doubt about that. The classic argument goes something like this. If God is all good and all powerful, he would not allow pain and suffering. And since there is pain and suffering in the world, God must not be all good or not all powerful. I mean, either God allows suffering when he can stop it and therefore he has bad intentions, or he wants suffering to end, but he's powerless to stop it. And on the surface, you know, it seems unanswerable. It seems like an airtight argument against Christianity, and it appears to prove that it really doesn't make sense to be a Christian. At the same time, our dissatisfaction with pain and suffering hints that that we really need to do, we, do, we really need to look again. And a Christian, famous Christian author, C.S. Lewis, wrote a book called Problem of Pain. And in it, he writes this. In a sense, Christianity creates rather than solves the problem of pain. For pain would not be a problem, problem unless side by side with our daily experience in this painful world, we had received what we think is a good assurance that ultimate reality is righteous and loving. And so if we have a problem with pain, a disquiet in our hearts and in our minds and our souls, it would stand a reason that we believe that pain is actually unnatural. It's not the way life is supposed to be. And that pain's not a problem if there's not a God. And all of and all of this, you know, if all of life came as random chance from a God that, you know, that there was no God himself, well, we would accept that. Like a fish accepts water and doesn't even realize it's there. But we don't. I mean, we wouldn't question it. And yet we do. I mean, something in us, deep in us, knows that pain and suffering are not natural. They're a break from the way things are actually supposed to be. That cry from our hearts points us towards deeper understanding. Our hearts help us to begin to see that the argument against Christianity is actually too narrow. I mean, it reduces our goodness and well-being simply to the absence of pain. I mean, if feeling good is our ultimate aim and purpose in life, then a good God would not allow suffering. However, we know in our hearts that feeling good is not the ultimate aim of life. We know there is more because we do things all the time that can be painful or uncomfortable. Pain does not discount a loving God. While God does not want us in pain, God uses pain for our good, the good of others. Romans 8 verse 28 says, we know that all things work in, for good for those who love God who are called according to his purpose. And so every pain in your life, God uses for good or for the good of others. 
And that may sound like wishful thinking, but what if it is true? And then there's the fact that people who often go through the most pain and suffering actually have, it seems like, the closest relationship with God. They go through pain worse than what we have experienced, and the pain seems to lead to a deeper intimacy with God. I mean, how is that even possible? Then we see witnesses of this in our world today and in several witnesses in Scripture. This is what we find in St. Paul's letter to us today from the Philippians. Paul's writing to the Philippians from jail. And he's been imprisoned for preaching and teaching about Jesus. And imprisonment was in some ways really kind of the least pain that Paul had received. I mean, up until this point, he had been beaten with rods, nearly stoned to death, shipwrecked, and had his life constantly threatened by people who opposed the message of the gospel. In his dedication to Jesus, he had lost friends, he lost uh, sleep, he lost status in the community, and even went without food or shelter. So suffering for, and loss for Paul were not some theoretical issues. I mean, this is something that he experienced. And after experiencing that pain, Paul wrote this in what we read today. I consider everything as a loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He considered everything as unimportant in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ. All the pain and loss nothing to knowing Christ Jesus. And he seems to connect the two here as well. The pain, the suffering, the loss led him to what was most important in life, knowing the person of Jesus Christ. Pain and suffering may be the impetus to find the truth that is Jesus. It's been said you will not know your lead for Jesus until Jesus is all you need and all you have. We might hear those words from Paul. You know, if we were sitting across the table from him or maybe if we were standing outside of his prison cell, we might hear Paul say something like this. Wait, I'm not finished yet. I'm not even close. So he continues in this passage. For Jesus' sake, I've accepted the loss of all things and I consider them so much rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul considers his loss of comfort, his loss of status, and his loss of physical freedom rubbish compared to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that word rubbish is actually a a weak translation. Paul would probably have used a four-letter word that we would use for dung or crap. I mean, he meant this to be very extreme. So Paul continues to know him and the power of the resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by being conformed to his death. Paul says he is privileged to know Jesus and wants to share in his suffering. He wants to be his partner in pain. I mean, is he crazy or something? But then he says, if I somehow may attain in the the resurrection of the dead, Paul says there's a connection between suffering and resurrection. There can be no Easter Sunday without a Good Friday. Jesus went to the cross so that he could rise again. Through suffering, Paul joins himself more deeply to Jesus Christ and so has hope that he, Paul, will rise again. 
But Paul knows he's not there yet, though. The resurrection will come, but it'll come through the pain. But that's not where we are in this story. So he knows that where he's going, though. He knows when he suffers, he doesn't look at the suffering. He doesn't give it his full attention. Instead, Paul says he focuses on the finish line in the same way a runner in a marathon may be suffering a ton of pain or maybe these ladies that are here playing softball run those foul poles. You know, you, you think about that pain as you're running, but you're looking at the end, the prize instead. Instead of focusing on the pain and the running, you focus on the prize. And Paul here is focusing on Jesus and the prize of the resurrection. The truth is, Jesus never promised to take away suffering. It sounds crazy to us, but it's true. Jesus doesn't take away suffering. He transforms suffering. He doesn't mean our suffering will make sense. And as a matter of fact, it probably won't. But he does give it meaning. Paul says that Jesus on the cross to the world seems like foolishness, weakness. Paul says that Jesus on the cross is actually wisdom and the power of God. And it seems to make no sense. But by taking on a body and suffering in and through that body, he transforms and makes suffering redemptive. And this is how he redeems the world. There's no depth that Christ hasn't gone. There's no amount of suffering that he didn't endure. Not to take it away, but to redeem it, to transform it. And by this, he invites us to unite our sufferings to his. When we experience any type of suffering, whether it's super small or it's overwhelming, he comes into that and he's there with us. All of us are going to suffer. It's, it's just a fact of life. But suffering without Jesus just hurts. Suffering with Jesus can change the world. Suffering and pain are real. And when we experience them, it's easy for us to narrow our focus and concentrate only on our pain. We can learn from Paul, who challenges us to widen our view and focus on the upward calling in Christ Jesus. Focus on where you're going, not where you are. While pain does present a problem for Jesus' followers, no one can argue that the Scriptures do not address pain and suffering. But over and over again, the Scriptures confront it. Perhaps of all the differences between our thoughts and God's thoughts, we're most different from God on the subject of pain. Human beings say pain discounts a good God. And people who know God say pain and suffering can allow us to know God more intimately. God uses pain to raise us to new life. Now, in just two Sundays, we'll be celebrating new life in our annual celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And with that in mind, I would ask you to pray that over the next couple of weeks that maybe you would invite someone to come with you to Easter Mass or, or to come just in general. Pray that God will open the doors to their hearts to be open to an invitation. 
Pray also that you would recognize when the Lord gives you the opportunity to invite them. It's through all the difficult questions and situations in our life that God calls us closer to himself. You, me, and those around us. So let us, let us have that courage. Let us think just a little bit about that pain, but look at what can actually happen just by inviting someone to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ.